word for God. Hallelujah. So we are here to praise God, and we want to praise God for his gift that he has given us in each one of you. Would you guys extend a hand of blessing over these kids this morning? Holy God, we come this morning to sing hallelujah, praise to Yahweh, praise to you. We recognize, God, that your love for us is manifest in each one of these children, in the brightness of their faces and in the spirit of freedom and joy and playfulness. God, we ask that you would give us that spirit in us this morning as well. God, as they go to their programming now, would you rise upon them, shine on them, and shine in their lives, making yourself known to them, even as we too seek the light of your love in our hearts this morning. And we will praise you and thank you for all the good gifts you give us, these children and all the ways that you are sending us forth into the world to make a difference, to be light in the darkness, and to be salt seasoning on the earth. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys are free to go. Thank you so much. We also get the joy of inviting our very own Pastor Dick to come, who's going to speak this morning. Welcome. Yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Hallelujah, yeah, wait and see. <laughs> it has been a long time since I've stood on this stage before a congregation to share a message, and I'll talk about that near the end. There's a story told about a young mom who was sitting at her dining room table writing a letter to a friend. Her three-year-old daughter asked if she might write a letter as well, and the mom said, well, of course, and she gave her daughter a piece of paper and a pencil, and the little girl began with her three-year-old fingers to just make marks on that piece of paper. The mom finished her letter, looked down at her daughter. Her daughter said, well, I'm done, and the mom looked down at her daughter and said, so what did you write to your friend? And the little girl looked down at her paper, those marks, and up at mom, and down at the paper and up at mom, and she said, Mom, I'm only three. I haven't learned to read yet. (laughs) We are blessed here at Faith Covenant Church to have a wonderful Christian preschool program called Little Sprouts, and I was fortunate to attend their graduation service near the end of uh, May. And part of that service, they showed this wonderful PowerPoint presentation of all kinds of things that happened with those children throughout the year. And I was intrigued by how many pictures of kids that were in there wearing costumes or kind of imaginative play, trying to pretend that they might be something they're not. And it's amazing how kids just love to uh, dress up and to kind of play make-believe. Now, these are from our preschool here. The next one is from our preschool that I came from at uh, Lake Tahoe. And then the last slide is our grandson, Eric. Eric, That's really good. (laughs) What's our grandson's name? We have six of them. (laughs) Zachary. So this is Zachary, and he and his family will be joining us at uh, the second service. Dress up and make believe. Kids trying to pretend maybe they're not quite what they are yet, but hope to be in the future, and oftentimes their costumes don't fit. Now, this morning, we're going to be looking at a young man who puts on a costume that simply doesn't fit. We're going to be looking at David this morning as we look at the well-known biblical story of David versus Goliath. Now, this morning, we're into the second part 
of a four-sermon series looking at stewardship. What does it really mean? Looking at time, talent, and treasure. If you remember, Pastor Kurt last week shared that stewardship is not all about money. He even said that for pastors, preaching on money is like touching the third rail. That's the third rail of preaching. And, you know, there's truth to that. People don't always want to hear about giving to the church. But as Kurt said, we have to realize first and foremost, whose is all this stuff anyway? And Kurt made it very clear, all this stuff really is God's to begin with. It is all God's. As Kurt said, we kind of rent it for a little while. But it's really God's. And then Kurt shared with us that wonderful parable, the parable of the talents, or from the newer version of the NIV Bible, the bags of gold. And from that text, we saw that we have a responsibility to manage, to be good stewards of everything that God gives us, our time, our talents, and our treasures, money. Well, this morning, we're going to be focusing a bit more on talent, not from the aspect of money, but talent from skills and gifts and abilities that God has given us, and how we are called to discern what those gifts are, and then to begin to use them. And we're looking, as I said, at this wonderful story of David and Goliath. Now, we probably all know the full history of Israel. We know the whole story of David and Goliath, but just a little bit of a reminder In the early years of the Hebrews, the 12 tribes saw God as being their king. God provided prophets and judges and priests to share with God's people what they needed to know. But God was their king. They didn't have an earthly king. But finally, they decided they wanted to be like the Joneses. They wanted a king like the neighbors had. And so they went to Samuel. Samuel was the prophet, judge at that time. And the people said, we want to be like our neighbors. We want a king. And Samuel goes, you got to be kidding. You'll get taxed. Your sons will go into the army and your daughters, your daughters are going to end up going to be servants in the palace. And they went, no, we want a king. We want to be like our neighbors. And Samuel's going, you got to be kidding. Samuel goes to God and God said, well, let's give him a king. And so God, through Samuel, anointed Saul to be the very first king of only three who were kings of the United Kingdom of all 12 tribes together for a total of 120 years. And Saul did pretty well to begin with. Okay, not for very long. Because Saul was kind of like the people. He wanted his way. And so he decided to do the exact opposite of what God had commanded him to do. And God, in a way, removed his blessing from Saul and his his reign. Now, Saul did reign for 40 years, but God in that meantime, through Samuel, anointed yet the future king, and that future king was David. David was the youngest son in a family, a young man, a simple shepherd, and yet that's who God anointed to be the future king. Now, our scripture lesson picks up as David's father asked him to go up to a battle line where three of his older siblings were preparing for battle against the Philistines um, to take food up and to check on how his siblings were doing to report back to his father. David drops his supplies off, and he goes up to the battle line, and it, it was a strange battle line. On one side on a hill were all the Philistine warriors lined up in a valley in between, and on the other side was God's army, the Hebrews, and nothing was happening except one thing. 
there's this brute of a giant that came out from the Philistine ranks and he basically challenged the Hebrews to a one-on-one battle. Winner take all. Winner take all. And the Hebrews were silent. They were silent. And David began to ask a question or two, and it seemed that this has been going on for 40 days, both evening and morning. This huge giant, we know him as Goliath now, comes out and says, one-on-one battle, whoever wins, the other, the others become servants and slaves. Now, our text picks up at the point that David goes to Saul. Now, our scripture lesson this morning comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 to 40. You're going to find it on the screen. Some of you may be grabbing your phones and looking it up on your phones, but you can also find it in front of you in those things called pew Bibles. And it's on page 447 in your pew Bible. I do encourage you to follow along silently as I read aloud. Listen to the words of Samuel and hear God's message to you and to me about using those gifts that God has given us. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic, and tried walking around because he was not used to it. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Please join with me in prayer. Ah, gracious and loving God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be here in this place, worshiping you, giving you glory and honor. And Lord, now, we thank you for the opportunity we have to look to your word. We pray your Holy Spirit will illuminate our hearts and our minds that we might not only hear the message you have for us, Lord, we might apply it in our lives each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I could just imagine David putting on Saul's battle armor. Scripture tells us Saul stood a head above most average man. And here's David, probably barely a teenager, at this point small. And Saul puts on his full body armor over his tunic, puts on a helmet, and then straps on this huge sword. And David's trying to walk around, kind of like kids playing dress up, and it just doesn't quite fit. And David knows it doesn't fit. And so David does what I think is a lesson for all of us. He puts that aside and starts to use what God had gifted him in to begin with. Simple tools of a shepherd, a staff, his sling, a pouch. 
And David reaches down and gets five smooth stones from the stream. And we know the story. David comes out. Goliath is looking at him going, are you kidding me? You send a pure child to come against me? This isn't going to be fair. But David knows it's not his battle, it's God's battle. And David, using those simple tools, the gifts that God had given him as a shepherd, was just one of those stones, slings that stone, hits Goliath right here, down goes Goliath. David kills him. And the Philistines lose, and the Hebrews win that battle because of God's intervention and because David was faithful. So what do we see about using our gifts based on that simple Bible story we all know? I think first off, God will use any one of us to do his ministry. Any one of us. David was anointed to be a future king when he was the least of these, the the youngest of the brothers from one of the smallest tribes, from one of the smallest uh, groups, and yet God chose him. The rest of the Hebrew army wouldn't go against Goliath, but David was willing to go against Goliath, the least of these. And then secondly, God will gift us to do that which God wishes us to do. Now, David wasn't gifted to that point to be a warrior. He was gifted as a shepherd. And God used those gifts that he had given him to defeat Goliath and to defeat the Philistines. Now, Mary Kay and I, after a couple of decades away from this church, um, began worshiping with you all again this fall. And I have to say, it has been a joy to worship with you, an absolute joy. And during that time, we'd often go to two different churches, but we'd usually be here for the early church service, this one. Now, as a pastor, I really relished simply worshiping with you. Um, As any of us who are involved in ministry know, when You are in worship, and you are on the front line. It is hard to grab moments of worship. We're looking at the watch. We're wondering if people are ready to go. Are they going to talk too long like I probably will? I'm wondering about whether music's going to go well, whether the slides are going to be right. So it was a blessing to simply sit and worship. It's great, and it's good to be here too. But it's wonderful. But in that time, I've been able to watch how God is using Faith Covenant Church for his ministry, to be able to see how you all are using those gifts to further his kingdom here and beyond. And I just look at worship alone. Uh, Most of us who aren't involved in ministry directly have no idea what it takes for worship to take place. Everything from rehearsal time to musicians to multiple teams that are willing to volunteer, use their gifts and talents to help us worship musically. From AV folks that are practicing, even with uh, our folks when they're rehearsing, to come early to make sure slides are right and we're able to hear each other, that's so important. From the fact that somebody comes in and cleans before and after, that somebody also comes in and straightens up those racks in front of your pews where that pew Bible is located, and a hymnal, hymnal. Anybody use a hymnal anymore? Yeah, hymnal. But it's there, and somebody actually does that, preparing the bulletin, making sure it's all right. Those folks that are doing that are using the gifts God given them to do God's ministry. From those who care for the least of those, who visit with the the more senior people in our congregation, to those who are sick, the folks that help with the homeless, the ones that I marvel at, the ones who do junior high and middle school ministry. (laughs) That really takes a God-given gift now. With people are using the gifts they have, using them. 
doing mission trips. Yesterday's rock and roll half marathon. That wasn't just to be sore and uncomfortable. That actually was to raise money for good causes. And we'll talk about that during announcement time. That's using one's gifts and talents. Though, Kurt, if that was your selfie with the peas and carrots, I'm not sure you're going to be a long-distance runner for long. Yeah, just, I'm, just an observation. But it is amazing how you are using those gifts that God has given you. You've tried on outfits And when they fit, you went and did the ministry. And I'm going to guess some of you tried on outfits that you realized weren't yours at that time. Now, David, David wore Saul's outfit, but eventually that became his outfit. He became a phenomenal warrior. But at that time in the battle with Goliath and the Philistines, he was a simple shepherd. And sometimes our gifts shift and they change. Now, I'm not sure if any of you know what this is. Yeah, usually it's sitting in Snelling Hall. This is a pulpit, not a podium, not a lectern. It's a pulpit. And I remember in the dark ages, when I used to worship here, the pulpit was right here, dead center. And this, this is a pastor's robe. And actually, this is a Genevan robe with doctoral chevrons. And this, this is a stole. And actually, today it's supposed to be ordinary or regular season. It should be green. Uh, but blue is acceptable. And this happens to be the Scottish pastoral tartan. These are the kind of things we don't see very often in churches. And I have to say that when we first started worshiping here, I would look at those things and I didn't really know what they were. And I'd look at those trappings and I knew it would never, ever, 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 ever be me. Ever be me. Now, just a little history. Some of you may have heard snippets of this. Mary Kate, my wife, went on a spiritual journey. Through reading a wonderful book, she came to a recognition of Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. And then she went on a quest to find a church, and um, her way of doing it was she would go to a a midweek service of some sort and then make an appointment to interview the the pastor of that church, and among the questions she would ask would be, what is sin? And it's amazing how few pastors aren't able to really articulate what sin is. Um, And the last church she went to was this church. And it was Ron Snelling at the time, and Ron got an A on all the answers to those questions. And then Ron did something that no other pastor did. As she was getting ready to leave, he said, don't you want to pray? No other pastor asked that question. And this became Mary Kay's church. Now, I said Mary Kay's church because I knew Jesus as that eternal life insurance policy. He was Savior. But that lordship stuff, no, I wasn't going to change, not, not that way. And I wasn't going to give up what limited control I had in life. And so I was kind of that heathen reprobate, you know. And I'm not sure any of those women are still here, but they just kept praying that maybe God would touch my heart, and apparently God did. Um, but here's how it started. So Mary Kate gets into this church, and I think it was a rite of passage, but she became a junior high Sunday school teacher. 
Do all new members become junior high Sunday school teachers? Well, she was, and after the second week, she said, would you come and sit in on that class? Because they're not listening to me. And so, as a dutiful husband, I, of course, said yes. And my goal was to sit in the back, and whenever somebody misbehaved, I'd give them the evil eye. That worked. Now, going to worship wasn't on my plan at that point, so I would go to Sunday school and then go have breakfast, and Mary Kay would come to church. Until one Sunday, uh, interim associate pastor was preaching, and I thought, well, I've, I've got to listen. Uh, a woman, and uh, temporary, and maybe I should just see what that's like. And she preached from this pulpit, and she was so short, they actually had a little step so that you could still see her over the top. She preached a wonderful message from Hosea 11 about God's love, a love that's like a, a parent reaching down and picking up a child and putting it next to their, their cheek, and a love that simply wanted God's people, the Hebrews, to come to faith that he would forgive them no matter what. And for me, that was life-changing because I went from Jesus simply being Savior to Lord. Now, I still saw this as never fitting, ever, ever fitting. But as time went on, got involved in leadership and had opportunities to stand here, not to preach, but to help in worship. And then eventually had opportunities to stand behind that pulpit and preach. And that sense of call kept getting stronger and I kept going, no, no, that is not going to be me. No, no, that's not going to be me. But I couldn't let go of it and God didn't quit pushing. And uh, I was ordained here in this sanctuary. I'm blessed to be called to a church in Tucson and then the last 17 years serving a wonderful church at Lake Tahoe. Now, this wasn't me. I never thought this would fit. It did. Took a risk. Now, how long is it going to fit? I don't know. But for 20 plus years, God used that and used me. Now, it wasn't about me. It was about God. It's not me. It's about God. Now, I was preaching a sermon on David and Goliath behind that pulpit. Now, it's probably the worst sermon ever preached about 25 years ago. And I'm preaching away, and someone right over there is looking down, and he's writing. And I, at least he was awake. I was pleased about that. Uh, but when we got done and I'm leaving, this is what he handed me. This. There. Vic Hawkins, a member of this church for a long time, this is how he saw David wearing Goliath's gear. You know, isn't that a wonderful representation about how maybe we're not using the gifts we should use? We knew David didn't look good in Saul's outfit. It wouldn't fit. He used uh, his shepherd tools. But eventually David became a warrior. It'd be nice to know the rest of the story of this, but that's a reminder for us to try things on, take a risk. Maybe we can grow into it to serve our Lord. And that really is our lesson today. Do you know your gifts? You're trying to discern what they are. And when you do, are you using them? Amen.
we are invited to bring all of our gifts, all of our talents, all of our treasure to God in worship. And so part of the way we worship as a faith community is we bring those gifts of tithes and offerings, of gratitude and thanksgiving,